This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 588. Welcome in. Today, we're going to talk about the insanity that was Minnesota against the Chargers. We're going to talk about Gardner Minshew. Minshew mania continues. Oh my goodness. Uh, we'll talk about the Colts win. I'm going to ask a... I'm going to ask a painful and scary question about Desmond Ritter, the Falcons quarterback. We'll preview the weekend. Before we get into anything, though, uh, I'm not going to say pay the bills yet. I want to ask you a question. I want you guys to write in on YouTube. Get creative. I want to see lots of comments on YouTube. What's worse than having a cockroach walking on your toothbrush? That's something that happened to me today. I walked into the bathroom, looked at my toothbrush, giant cockroach sitting, not on the handle, not on like the end of the toothbrush. No, he was sitting on the bristles, the part that goes in my mouth. And I was like, ah, I got to deal with that later, don't I? Oh, no. Uh, so I ask you, I know there's a lot of horrible stuff out there. So please write in. What is worse than having a cockroach sitting comfortably on the brush, the, the brushes, the bristle end of your toothbrush? Let me know. Write in. Now, before we get into the show... I got to take a short break. We got to pay the bills. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize Picks allows you to make an entry based on player projections. And in 60 seconds, you can enter something like Travis Kelsey more than five catches, Tyreek Hill more than 100 yards receiving, and Justin Fields less than 200 yards passing. And if your picks are right, you can win money. Making picks makes games more engaging, and you could turn something like $5 into $50. Prize Picks offers quick and easy deposits. You can even use Apple Pay. And they have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. For example, there's a weekly event called Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So put your skills to the test in daily fantasy. Go to prizepicks.com slash CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash CLNS, code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. All right, we are back. Welcome in. I got to say briefly, if there's any weird cuts in today's episode, it is because I am still, I mean, it's been a long time now. I was sick like last weekend. I am still not at 100%. My throat, my mucus levels, my mouth, my <clears throat> like having to clear my throat a lot, not going great. So if there's any weird cuts, it's because I'm still occasionally every once in a while, I just die coughing and I don't really have a thing I can do about it yet. Let's talk about Atlanta. I, how do I say this properly? I am concerned about Atlanta Falcons quarterback Desmond Ritter. It's still very early on. We're only three games into the NFL season. I don't want to hit the panic button. I don't want to cause worry. I want to simply share a concerning question and see what happens the rest of the year. Week three was concerning for Falcons quarterback Desmond Ritter. Remember, he's a former third round pick who was there last year in Atlanta. They elevated him this year to the starting quarterback. They're hoping he can become their franchise quarterback. During week one, 
Atlanta didn't really ask Desmond Ritter, their quarterback, to do very much. He was 15 for 18 passing, had 115 yards, one touchdown pass. Atlanta actually ran the ball for 130 yards. So they ran the ball for more yards than they threw during week one. Week one, they beat Carolina 24 to 10. And I remember going into the year, I said, look, I don't think they're going to ask Desmond Ritter to do very much this season. They're going to run the ball heavily. They're going to run the ball well. And they're going to ask Desmond Ritter to manage the game. Week two, they won. They beat the Packers 25 to 24. Atlanta in that game ran the ball for 211 yards. They ran the ball really well. And uh, they threw the ball more times week two than week one. Desmond Ritter had an interception. You're like, ugh. Okay, I, I can live with that. It's fine. And week three for Atlanta was very different. Week three, Atlanta lost 20 to six. They lost to Detroit. And they were only able to run the ball for 44 yards. So their running game wasn't working. And, and it didn't help that as their lead, as the Lions lead over Atlanta got worse and worse and bigger and bigger, Atlanta had to try to throw the football to keep up and stay in the game. So I think you could argue they asked Desmond Ritter to do more as a passer without a great running game. They threw the ball 38 times. He was 21 for 38 passing at 201 yards. He was sacked seven times and... To me, it felt like they asked Desmond Ritter to do more, and it wasn't great. To me, it's a very early warning sign. After week three, I think you could reach the conclusion that the more you ask Desmond Ritter to do as a passer, the worse he will do. That's a conclusion that I think is not crazy to come to after watching the week three game between Atlanta and Detroit. They need a running game to win in Atlanta. If they don't run the football well, their offense doesn't work. And you can't rely on Desmond Ritter alone to win a game throwing the football. That feels like a problem. Now, Atlanta, we're all trying to ignore it. Everyone in Atlanta is like, okay, it's fine. We're just going to suppress it down. It's fine. We're going to run the ball really well. We have a game manager quarterback. It's all okay. I'm not an Atlanta fan. I'm not from Atlanta. I'm not even, I said in Atlanta. I'm not in Atlanta. But if that's true, if the conclusion, the, the hypothesis I've thrown out, the statement, if it's true that the more you ask Desmond Ritter to do throwing the football, the worse he will do, that's a problem. If I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, I would feel greedy. I'm like, look, there's a lot of young quarterbacks out there in college football right now. I think we could get a good quarterback in the second round next year. Maybe, maybe you draft Spencer Rattler. Right, Spencer Rattler's a quarterback who I thought looked pretty good in the first half against Georgia last week. Last week, two weeks ago, whenever, he, whenever they played Georgia. He's a really talented quarterback at South Carolina who's not highly valued in the draft. Draft him in the second round. Why not? He's a way more talented passer than Desmond Ritter. What do you got to lose? And if I'm an Atlanta fan, I'm like, look, we got a really good defense. We've got a good offensive line. Got a good defensive line. Great running game. We need a quarterback. We need a capable quarterback. I would want a quarterback that I can trust to throw the ball 38 times and not wince every time he throws the football. That's a bit of, a, that's a bit of an exaggeration. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not wincing. Like, there are quarterbacks in the NFL. Gosh, every time Justin Fields throws a football, I'm like, oh, here we go. It's worse when Zach Wilson throws a football. Desmond Ritter isn't horrible. He's just limited. And... I, if I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, would not want a limited quarterback. I wouldn't want someone who feels like a liability. I wouldn't want someone who feels like, hey, the more we ask him to do, the worse we are off. I'd want a quarterback who 
hey, we saw Justin Herbert throw the ball 47 times and have an 85% completion percentage last Sunday. <clears throat> that's a bit extreme. That's a bit rare. You don't need that either. That's pretty insane. But if it's true that Desmond Ritter is not highly capable and that him throwing the football is a liability long-term, that's not going to work in Atlanta. It's a long season. We'll see how the year goes. I'm just saying now we're three games in. We've already seen a concerning game from Desmond Ritter. We will see how the rest of the year goes in Atlanta. And we'll find out if after this year, does Atlanta have to make a move to go get another quarterback? And maybe you just, what you do, I think it's a great idea. You keep Ritter. He's fine. He's cheap. And you draft another guy, second or third round, to sit behind him to learn is more capable. If Atlanta can get Bo Nix, do it. Maybe you get Bo Nix in the second round. That's an amazing value draft pick for Atlanta. Ritter is your starter until Bo Nix is ready. But Bo Nix is a more capable quarterback than Desmond Ritter. Something like that. I, I just think the idea that Ritter is the long-term plan in Atlanta is a tenuous idea. And we'll see what happens the rest of the year. All right. Um, I want to talk about a really interesting game. It was fun, man. On Sunday, Indy beat Baltimore 22 to 19 in overtime. Minshew mania continues. I love Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew went to four different colleges. He's always been an underdog. He played really well in Jacksonville. They replaced him with Trevor Lawrence. He's never really been embraced by any team. And rightly so. Like Gardner Minshew is either like the worst starting quarterback in the NFL or one of the best backups. He's a very capable backup. He's got limitations. He's not great. Like he's never going to be the starting quarterback long-term in, in Indy. Like, Anthony Richardson is so much more talented and way more capable. He's an amazing quarterback who, when Richardson is playing healthy, is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. But week three, because of a concussion, Anthony Richardson did not play. He was in concussion protocol. So we got to watch Gardner Minshew. And I absolutely love Gardner Minshew. His teammates love him. He's an underdog. He's a lovable guy. His character, his personality, it's all fun. And at the end of the fourth quarter on Sunday, week three, Gardner Minshew put together a game-tying field goal drive to make it 19-19 and send the game into overtime. I love moments like that. It was fun, man. Now, truly the hero of the game for the Colts is actually their kicker, Matt Gay. Matt Gay was 5-for-5 kicking field goals. Four of those field goals were over 50 yards. In fact, there was a 54-yarder and then three 53-yard field goals. I don't know how you exactly kick three 53-yard field goals in one game. That's kind of insane that they both were all that, that three of them were all from 53 yards, but they all were. They were all good. It was five for five. He also had his extra point. Matt Gay is why the Colts won week three. That was fantastic. The Colts, by the way, are two and one. They are first by themselves at the top of the AFC South. I don't know how long that's going to last. I keep waiting for Jacksonville to wake up and start playing well. They're not. By the way, I picked Jacksonville to go 8-9. and nine. Feeling pretty good about that. I feel like that was a really accurate prediction for the, for the Jaguars. And uh, so the Colts, I don't know how long it's going to last, although if Richardson comes back and plays well, they could stay at the top of the ASC South. But, man, the Colts, great moment for them week three, beating the, the, the Baltimore Ravens on the road at Baltimore. Shout out to Zach Moss, by the way, their running back, backup running back, is the guy who is playing because Jonathan Taylor, their starting running back, is on the IR and uh, on the, I guess on the pup list. So they're, they're kind of waiting to see, and I think he should be back week five. 
But Zach Moss had 30 carries for 122 yards. He looks awesome. Uh, they are much better when he's playing and healthy. Um, now, there's a story to me that needs to be told here about the Ravens-Colts game that uh, is inconvenient. It's not awesome. <clears throat> Usually, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess it's my job. I, I don't shy away from the stuff that is unpopular, that um, I don't try to be controversial. I don't try to call people out. But sometimes you see something you got to point out that's uncomfortable and not great. And there's a story to be told here. Lamar Jackson had a good day as far as numbers go, the, the Ravens quarterback. He was 22 for 31 passing, had 200 yards passing. He also had 14 carries for 101 yards and two rushing touchdowns. He did have a fumble. In fact, the Ravens on the day put the ball on the ground four times. They lost only two of those fumbles, but still the ball was hitting the grass a lot for the Baltimore Ravens offense. Now, to me, the story of this game, it, it's got to be Matt Gay and Gardner Minshew. That was awesome and fun. But the other story, the quieter story, the kind of the thing under the, under the belly of the, the main story here is that uh, the Ravens offense came up short. I have high expectations of this Ravens offense. You know, they are paying Lamar Jackson a ton of money. They've got four receivers who are first-round picks. They've got Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman. I know that OBJ was out of this game injured. I also acknowledge Rashad Bateman is perpetually always injured. It's a, it's a constant theme in Baltimore that Rashad Bateman cannot stay on the field. However, you're paying Lamar a ton of money. You brought in a new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. I don't really feel like there's room for excuses anymore in Baltimore. And the reality is the Ravens had multiple opportunities to score and put the game out of reach in the fourth quarter, and they didn't. They couldn't put together a drive. The Colts were allowed to hang around. And in the final five minutes of the game, the Ravens punted twice. They had two opportunities with the football on top of the last drive of regulation, which they missed a field goal which we'll talk about that in a moment. On the last drive of the fourth quarter, by the way, let's, let's, let's talk about it now. Lamar Jackson on first and 10 took a really bad sack, made it second and 20. Now, he got a lot of those yards back. He threw for like 18 yards on that second and 20. All right, it was second and 20, or I think it was actually third and third and 20 when they did that, but he threw for like 18 yards. He made it a, a really short fourth down conversion, and they had a shot at a 61-yard game-winning field goal. The kick was just short. In a moment where it's crucial to not lose yards and have every advantage you can, Lamar Jackson took a sack and lost 10 yards in a really key moment. Yeah, that cannot happen. Throw the ball away. You can't take a sack there. I know they got a lot of the yards back, but uh, it still hurt them. And how much more could they have gotten without that loss of yardage and maybe made the field goal to win the game in regulation? Then in overtime... The Ravens' offense had the ball two times. The Colts had the ball first. They didn't do anything with it. The Colts ended up having the ball three times in overtime. They finally won on the third possession. But it's not like Baltimore never got the ball. It's not like Baltimore never had a shot. In fact, both times Baltimore had the ball in overtime, they had pretty good field position. They had the ball on their own 44-yard line. Then they had the ball on the 48-yard line, starting in Colts' territory on their side of the field, and they couldn't put together a drive. Lamar Jackson was one for five passing in overtime. Now, let's acknowledge there was a drop on third and three by Isaiah Likely. That's not great. That's not Lamar Jackson's fault. I don't really care whose fault it is. I want to say it again. 
They brought in a new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. They've got Lamar Jackson making a ton of money. Four receivers that are first-round picks. Again, I acknowledge OBJ is injured or was injured in this football game. Rashad Bateman is sketchy, can never seem to stay on the field. But the reality is, regardless of excuses, regardless of whose fault it is, the bottom line is that the Ravens offense could not get it done at the end of their game week three. They needed points. They needed to score. They didn't do it. This game week three, losing to the Colts, it was a winnable game. It was a missed opportunity. The Ravens, in the NFL, when there's so few games and so few opportunities to put together uh, a winning record, you can't, you can't miss an opportunity like week three against the Colts team. But this game was highly winnable. You're at home. You had the all a bunch in the fourth quarter and overtime, and you didn't put together a drive. You couldn't score. You couldn't win. And uh, I think it's worth being called out. You can't miss opportunities like that in the NFL. And I expect better. I don't really care whose fault it is. I don't care if it's Lamar Jackson's fault or Todd Munkin's fault, receivers dropping passes. It doesn't matter. Cohesively as a unit, I expect more from the Ravens' offense. And it doesn't matter whose fault it is. I don't really care. The point is that they had the ball a bunch at the end of the game. They couldn't put together a drive, and that's a problem. When you're paying Lamar Jackson the amount of money you're paying him, when you have a new offensive coordinator, when you've got receivers you're heavily invested in, you got to score. You got to put together a drive when you need it. And, uh, you know, this next weekend, the Ravens play at Cleveland. It's a really interesting game because I think Deshaun Watson's got a lot to prove in Cleveland. And equally so, Lamar Jackson, to me, still, they've got a lot to prove in Baltimore on offense. They got to score points and look really good on offense. And I thought they had opportunities to do so week three against the Colts, and they failed to do that. All right, um, let's talk about, I watched this game today. It was messy. It was wild. I went in knowing what was going to happen. I can't even imagine watching the week three game that was Chargers-Vikings alive. I can't even imagine what that was like for Chargers fans, for Vikings fans. Good friend of mine, Logan, is a Vikings fan. Shout out, Logan. I love you. Um, I can't even imagine what Logan was going through watching that game live. Like, it had to have been an insane roller coaster. We got a lot of write-ins uh, about this. We'll talk about them. We'll read the write-ins from Patreon in just a moment. But there's a lot to unpack here. The Chargers beat Minnesota 28-24. to It was a fun game. Like, even me who knew what was going to happen. I knew the final score. I knew how it went down. I still was like thoroughly engaged. It was really fun. It was like, I mean, man, I just, like I said, I can't even imagine what it was like to watch this Chargers-Vikings game live on Sunday. It had to have been the most insane roller coaster of emotion you can possibly imagine. Number one, Justin Herbert, the Chargers quarterback, is 40 for 47 passing. That's, by the way, an 85% completion percentage. That's unbelievable. To throw nearly 50 passes and complete 85% of your passes is unreal in the NFL. That's like a high school stat. On top of that, he threw for 405 yards, three touchdowns. He made some insane throws. There was a throw on, was it third and 17 where he was rolling left? Totally broke a cardinal rule of the NFL. Threw the ball back across the middle of the field for a huge first down. They're like, that's just a special thing. Like, as much as I love Tua, and Tua's a great quarterback with a lot of high-level anticipation, that's a throw that not very many quarterbacks in the NFL can make. That's a throw that, like, Stafford, Mahomes, 
Herbert, uh, Josh Allen, I guess. Like not a lot. There's not a, there's a very short list of guys who can make that throw back across the field into a tight window, rolling to your left. Incredible stuff, man. Herbert was amazing. Now, uh, Justin Herbert did get really lucky. There was a, I guess the game winning touchdown, the touchdown that gave the Chargers a 28 to 24 lead. Um, the game winning touchdown went right through a Vikings corner's hands. A Caleb Evans dropped an interception. Ball was in his hands. He couldn't hang on. got popped up in the air. Instead of an interception, ball popped in the air and was caught for a touchdown by Joshua Palmer. That ended up being the game-winning touchdown for the Chargers. So, uh, like I said, it was a wild and weird game. I can't even imagine the roller coaster of emotion going on. couple facts I want to share. Uh, Keenan Allen, the Chargers receiver, had 18 catches for 215 yards. He also threw a touchdown pass. It was like, I saw some in a post somewhere who had a, a bigger game week three, and it was like Travis Kelsey, mostly because he's in the news because of Taylor Swift. Um, I, I don't even remember the other two guys. And then Keenan Allen was nowhere to be seen. Do you understand how insane it is to have 18 catches in an NFL game? By the way, a game that ended in regulation. It wasn't even like an overtime game. 18 catches for 215 yards for Keenan Allen is ridiculous this week uh, this, on Sunday. You know, there's another receiver we got to talk about on the Chargers. I have bad news this time. Mike Williams tore his ACL in the third quarter of this game. He's out for the year. Again, roller coaster. If you're a Chargers fan, extreme highs, extreme lows. It had to have been insane. Thankfully, your team won. Um, now, we got to talk about a weird thing because for the most part, for the most part, during the regular season so far, during the, the first three weeks of the NFL season, I would say Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator of the Chargers, has been a total home run. He's been outstanding. The offense looks better. They're scoring points. They might be one and two, but they are not one and two because of their offense. They're one and two because their defense hasn't made enough plays in the first two weeks of the year. Week three, I guess finally you could argue they stepped up. There's a weird moment, though, that felt out of character for Kellen Moore. Um, it almost felt like, <laughs> it, it was like, does Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, want to win this football game? I wasn't convinced he did. Because on fourth and one, on their own 24-yard line with a minute 49 left, the Chargers went for it on fourth down. I, I don't know why you would do that. I get it. The Vikings had no, turn, to, no, no timeouts left. But um, what? Your own 24-yard line? Fourth and one, you're going for it? Now, uh, to their credit, I guess they were up by four points, so the Vikings needed a touchdown to win. <laughs> Still, it was a baffling decision. On top of that, this is what I was saying. Like I said, Kellen Moore's been fantastic so far this year, except for this play call. Fourth and one, own 24-yard line. They run basically a fullback dive with Joshua Kelly. I don't know what the heck that was. It was weird. It was out of character. I love that Kellen Moore has done the first three weeks, except for that play call. I don't know what that was. I also don't know why Brandon Staley, the head coach, gave the green light and decided to go for it on fourth down. What are you doing? Now, they got super lucky because later on, like a minute later, the Vikings had the ball first and goal with 12 seconds left. Clack was running, and uh, Kirk Cousins threw an interception. He threw a great ball uh, where you're kind of trusting your tight end to win in a moment where you get to the goal line, you turn around, you box out a defender. Kirk throws the ball away from a defender. It bounces off of TJ Hawkinson's hands up in the air, gets picked off by Minnesota, or by the Chargers, excuse me, and the Chargers win the game. So 
somehow, despite going for it on fourth and one of their own 24-yard line, not getting it, uh, the Chargers didn't have to pay the price. They ended up winning the game. So it was a just a baffling, weird game. And if you're a Minnesota fan, a lot of bad luck. The ball went through a Caleb Evans' hands, turned into a touchdown for the Chargers, and it also went through TJ Hawkins' hands and turned into the game-ending interception for the Chargers. So a lot of bad luck for Minnesota. They're 0-3. By the way, all three losses for Minnesota have been by one score or less. Um, they were 11-0 last year during the regular season in one-score games. Not this year. The football gods have said, we're, we're turning the dial the other way. <laughs> all your luck? Bad. Now, here's a crazy reality. I got to talk about it. Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in passing. He's got 1,075 yards passing, nine touchdown passes, three fumbles, two interceptions. So five turnovers isn't great, but he's completing 69.6% of his passes. Basically, Kirk Cousins has fantastic numbers, and they're still 0-3 in Minnesota. It's a, I mean, like, I don't remember exactly what I saw. I wonder if I can find it. It doesn't matter. I'm, if I really want to talk about it, I'll talk about it on Friday next episode. But Kirk Cousins is on pace for like a historic year, statistically. And yet they're 0-3. He's on pace to go 0-17 and break like all the passing records. And you're like, man, okay. I, I, guess, uh, I guess that's what we're in for for Kirk Cousins. He's going to play great. They're going to lose. And they're going to have the worst luck you've ever seen. That's why I said like if you're a Vikings fan... I can't even imagine watching this game. Really for either fan base. It was weird. It was wacky. Roller coaster promotions. Now, I want to read a couple of questions from Patreon. Questions, write-ins, comments, whatever you want to call them. If you want to submit questions on Patreon, you go to patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. Patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. Please do it literally is how I pay my rent. Now, uh, Joe wrote in on Patreon and said, And we rejoice! For despite Brandon Staley's efforts, the Chargers managed to win a football game. That's all caps, by the way. I'm not going to read it yelling because it's 7.50 p.m. and I don't want to wake my neighbors up any more than I probably already am. I'm sorry, neighbors. I love you. I'm doing my best. We'll be done soon. Um, Joe says, hello, Zach. I'm a little more calmed down this time, but my saltiness will reign supreme all the same. For the first three quarters of the game, our defense showed the fact that the struggles through the first two weeks weren't due to a lack of talent. But as anyone that watched that game saw... Especially near the end, the blame once again falls on the wonderful man, abominable head coach, Brandon Staley. <laughs> I understand wanting to put the game away at the end and seal it, but that was just far too risky, and the talent on defense balled out, uh, bailed out one of the worst decisions, bailed out one of the worst decisions of this year so far. So I ask you, where is the line between taking risks and making a boneheaded, stupid, absurd decision? Love you as always. Go Chargers, except for our head coach and owner, F.U. Spanos. <laughs> um, I, Joe, I like going for it on fourth down traditionally. I think the I would go for it a ton. I actually, I like, for the most part, Brandon Staley going for it a ton. Why would you punt the ball away? I, it makes it tougher on defenses. I've talked to a lot of coaches around the, uh, how, do I, how do I say this properly, around the country. Um, they all say, we hate it when teams go for it on fourth down. It puts a lot of pressure on us. It makes us uncomfortable. Here's a coach I can mention, Coach Dan Casey. High school football coach, got a great podcast. He's an amazing content creator. Coach Dan Casey, been on the show. He's a coach who'll tell you, hey, when teams go for it on fourth down, makes our, us uncomfortable. We don't love that. 
So I like generally going for it on fourth down. How about not on your own 24-yard line with a minute 49 left, fourth and one? How about no? Nah, I'm good. No, no, no. Uh, deep in your own territory, let's not do that, please. Uh, they got lucky. And I will acknowledge again that the Vikings were down four points. They needed a touchdown to win. So maybe you're a bit safer because you can't just kick a field goal and win, I, I guess. I, I, I think, Joe, you're right. The defense uh, bailed out one of the worst in-game decisions from a coach we've seen so far this year. But that's that's Brandon Staley. He goes for it on fourth down all the time. And uh, not out of character. He's known for his risky ways. I'm surprised he hasn't ever changed his... Like, you would think a guy who is hated as much as he is, whose job feels in jeopardy as much as it is... <laughs> Can you imagine if the Chargers went 0-3 and lost because they went for it on 4th and 1 on their own 24-yard line? I, I, how do you go to work if that... If it had gone wrong, I mean, the gamble was just insane because if that doesn't work, you're going to have Chargers fans mutinying outside the facility. Like, get this man out of here. And so, yeah, Joe, I agree. They won in spite of their coach, Brandon Staley, appearing to sabotage their victory. <laughs> uh, Balin wrote in. Balin said, okay... I still stand by what I said about Brandon Staley. I don't even remember what you said. I think you said you don't like him, basically. But I'm not going to lie. I like the decision for Brandon Staley to go for it on fourth and one and put the game away there. Interesting. So Balin didn't hate it. Kellen Moore dropped the ball, though. Fullback power when you, and I this is full caps, not going to yell, no longer have a fullback, and Herbert has 405 yards and an 85% completion rate. Give me a break. On another note, we have seen more Chargers-Vikings games. Have we seen a more Chargers-Viking game than that one? I don't think so. That was chaos. I agree. Also, multiple records were set by Herbert and Allen today. A few highlights. Keenan Allen has the all-time Chargers-wide receiving record for yards uh, and Chargers record for receptions in a game. And he's the first player ever to catch over 200 yards and throw a touchdown. Now Herbert has the most completions by any player in the first uh, four seasons in NFL history. 195 completions without throwing a pick, Chargers record. And he had an 85% completion percentage and threw for over 400 yards for the first time with some insane throws. Found another one. Keenan Allen has the 11-plus receptions in a game, the most games like that in NFL history. So uh, it was an absolute clinic by the Chargers, he says. And it's you're right. I mean, there was a lot of weird—I think I butchered some of what you said, but it was a historic game with lots and lots of crazy stats and numbers. Uh, You're right, chaos. So here's the last thing that <laughs> Balin writes in. He says, to summarize this game, all I can say is Chargers at Vikings, are you not entertained? Hey, you're right. Um, and it could not have been more characteristic of these two football teams where the Vikings and Chargers are just the most goofy, chaotic, weirdest teams to watch. Every week insane stuff happens, and apparently when you put them together, it's an explosion of just um, baffling, confusing <laughs> insane, weird, lucky, bad luck plays. I mean, it was just, like I said, I, I can't even imagine how much pain and joy fans for both teams must have felt watching this game. Mike Williams gets out for the year with a torn ACL, heartbroken. <laughs> then then Vikings fans, they watch their the opposing quarterback throw an interception only for it to bounce out of their corner's hands to go for the game-winning touchdown for the Chargers. Then on top of that, 
Chargers fans watch their team fail on fourth and one from their own 24-yard line. Vikings fans have to have been like, yeah, we're going to win. It's amazing. Only for later, fourth and, sorry, first and goal, 12 seconds left. Your quarterback throws the game-ending interception back and forth and back and forth. The emotional roller coaster had to have been, I can't even imagine. It just, I... It's one of those rare moments where I can never go back. I can never watch the movie The Hangover again. Uh, there's a moment with a car and Mike Tyson that just like the first time you see it, it's the most insane thing ever. And then, sorry, spoilers for The Hangover. You had your chance. I'm not, I don't feel too bad. And then, <laughs> but I can never go back. I can never watch it again. And there's an experience I can never have in my life. I'll probably never go to space. I'll probably never be on a nuclear submarine. And I can never know what it was like to watch this week three, 2023 game between the Vikings and Chargers. I'll never know what that emotional roller coaster must have been like. I can only imagine, the same way I can only imagine what it's like to stand on the International Space Station and look down at Earth. And uh, those are feelings I would have loved to feel. I'd love to know what it was like to be a Chargers or Vikings fan watching this game. It had to have been um, truly insane. Now, um, Balin, the fullback dive was a weird play call. And... Uh, it was shocking because Kellen Moore has been so good all year long up until that moment. I thought that otherwise he's been great, but I mean, really, I, I just want to say it, it was a wild, fun game and uh, worth acknowledging the insanity that was <laughs> that game. Like, go watch the highlights. It's kind of goofy. It's like, man, did someone write this? I, it's I don't even know. It's just insane. The things that happened and anyone who believes the NFL is scripted, I don't know how you could possibly believe that because I don't know how you you screw up the way some of the people did in this game and like fail upwards and fail in the way that somehow the Chargers won the game. It's just weird. Uh, now, Gavin wrote in. Gavin's a Vikings fan. Gavin said, uh, I don't I, I guess I assume Gavin's a Vikings fan, but he wrote in about the Vikings. So, Gavin, I assume you're a Vikings fan, but that doesn't necessarily mean you are. Gavin says, Zach, and he spells it Z-A-C-H, but he actually wrote in on Patreon and said, uh, he's like, I don't care. I've been paying your bills for a year and a half. And I'm like, yes, you're right. Hey, Customer's always right. You can spell my name Z-A-C-H if you want, but that is wrong. Now, Gavin says, would you agree that the Vikings would be 3-0 and right now if they had just not been cheap and re-signed Dalvin Cook? It reminds me a ton of the Titans refusing to pay A.J. Brown, thinking they could just get a cheap replacement. Both of these teams would have been regulars in the playoffs had they just kept their cores intact. Um... Yeah, man, A.J. Brown leaving Tennessee was brutal. Um, I mean, I don't know that it's a bit inflammatory to say they'd be regulars in the playoffs, given that the Titans have a suspect quarterback and the Vikings don't seem to want to play any level of defense. Um, now, uh, I don't know if the Vikings would be 3-0 and if they'd kept Dalvin Cook. Maybe 2-1, and and maybe 3-0. and You know, Alexander Madison, which still to me is like the most funny— 1800s politician name of all time. But Alexander Madison was bad week one and two. He had a bad fumble. He had a drop that I remember vividly where I was like, oh my God, you can't drop that pass. Um, week three, though, better game. He ran for 93 yards on 20 carries, but he did have a fumble that called off by the refs because the refs uh, ruled him down by forward progress, even though I'm pretty sure that was a fumble. Um, he dropped a pass in the red zone. Not great. And... Uh, Really, the, the the big key sin for Alexander Madison is that they were on the goal line and he couldn't punch it in. He had two attempts to run for a touchdown and got stopped both times. I thought that I remember thinking to myself, like, I think a different running back might get into the to get into the end zone there. Um, I mean, as a running back, 
running backs and linebackers are like the equivalents, and that was a, that's the closest to a one-on-one you're going to get between a linebacker and a running back. And both times, the linebacker won. Alexander Madison did not. Uh, Alexander Madison is basically like a football babysitter, right? Like, he's not a big playmaker. He isn't really great at anything. He's just the guy for the Vikings that's holding the football when they're running the ball. It's like, okay, you're not really doing anything. You're just following your blocks, and you're not really capable of making anyone miss. You're not really capable of trucking anybody. You're not really capable of running for more than 15 yards. You're not really capable of catching a pass out of the backfield. Like, Alexander Madison is the most... It's like if you took a character in... uh, I don't know, Dark Souls, and then didn't upgrade anything. It's like the base level with nothing extra. Like, that that's Alexander Madison as a running back. He's like, I think that's, I've never played Dark Souls. I've seen my friends play it. I think it's when you're like, your character is basically naked because there's no armor, there's no weapon. You're just out there going, good luck, buddy. That's Alexander Madison. Um, and I don't know why. I, I'll never really understand why the Vikings didn't renegotiate with Dalvin Cooking, just say, hey, you got one year left in your contract. We're going to pay you. We're going to match your your career with Kirk Cousins. Remember, Kirk Cousins, the Vikings quarterback, doesn't have a contract after this year. And uh, I, I feel like they could have said to Dalvin Cook, we're going to cut you. Or, because this is what Cincinnati did with Joe Mixon. Um, they said, hey, we're going to cut you or we can restructure your contract. Why didn't they say to Dalvin Cook, we can either cut you or restructure your contract, give you one more year. We'll pay you a, a good amount of money. Um and maybe they did do that. We'll just never know. But it felt like cutting Dalvin Cook was the Vikings raising the white flag on this year. They didn't want to pay him. I understand that. They wanted to get rid of his contract. But why not just say, hey, um, we're not saving money long term. We can just cut you now. Uh, or sorry, we can we can pay you now for one more year and then cut you after this year and say, hey, your contract's void after this year. I don't know. I, I just It does feel weird. Like you had Kirk Cousins for one final year. You're not going to try to make one last ride and make the playoffs? I guess. I don't know. The Vikings are in three right now. Um, they also cut Dalvin Cook in June, which they they didn't cut him before the draft, so it felt like a last-minute decision where you could have drafted a running back. You didn't. Instead, you waited till June to cut Dalvin Cook. You did draft a running back in the seventh round. Dwayne McBride is on your practice squad. Um, but they picked like a third-string safety in the fourth round. Could that not have been a running back who's productive? I, you know, I, I just, I, I do think that the way Dalvin Cook was handled was baffling. And it makes me wonder, waiting until June to cut him means they must have been trying to make a deal behind the scenes and they couldn't make it work, and so they just got rid of him. But all in all, um, I would say that this was a mismanaged situation. The running back position in Minnesota right now, um, I think they handled it poorly, and it's hurting them right now in Minnesota. I would agree with that wholeheartedly, Gavin. All right, uh, let's look ahead and talk about NFL Week 4. First of all, there's a massive game during NFL Week 4. The Ravens play at Cleveland. And to me, both teams are 2-1. and one. In my opinion, both offenses have a lot to prove. The Browns, their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, I thought was better Week 3, but kind of ugly the first two weeks. He's been getting paid a ton of money. Both quarterbacks are. Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Um, I think it's going to be extremely fun. I think the Browns' defense is an X-factor here. They're really good. Uh, how do they contain Lamar Jackson? But... I have high expectations for Lamar Jackson and the the Baltimore Ravens offense. Unfortunately, they haven't been great. And I thought week two or week three against Indy, they had a lot of opportunities that they didn't take advantage of. And so I think the Browns win this football game, but uh, it feels like a toss-up. I expect a fun, exciting game. It's an AFC North battle. 
between two capable football teams. One of these teams, probably Cleveland or the Ravens. I think one of these teams are going to win the division, the AFC North, and uh, feels like an early battle for the division. It's going to be really fun. I like the Browns here at home winning, but it really depends on how does Deshaun Watson play? And then the other X factor is how does Lamar Jackson play? These quarterbacks are getting paid a ton of money, have a lot of expectations, and they got to play well. Now, um, the Falcons play the Jaguars in London during week four. This is the, if you don't know, somehow you don't know. You haven't heard about this. It's a game where it's going to be streaming on Disney Plus, and they're going to animate it live somehow as it's going in the style of Toy Story. So, like, Trevor Lawrence is going to look like a Toy Story character, and they're going to make the whole stadium look like it's in um, Woody's, or sorry, in uh, Andy's room from Toy Story. I'll be honest, I have no idea what to expect here. I, I don't know what that's going to look like. It could look like a eldritch mess. It could be really awful and off-putting. It also could be really entertaining and interesting. So I'm going to watch, I think, I mean, the game is happening. It's in London, so it's going to be going on 3.30 a.m. Hawaii time. I I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't I don't want to watch that whole game. It's not really that intriguing of a game anyway. Uh, the Jaguars are 1-2. and two. They need a win. They need to look good on offense. So that... As far as that goes, that's interesting, but I'm I'm really finding this game only fascinating for like what is that animation gonna look like for the Disney Plus Toy Story animation game? I have no idea. Um, and so I'll report back to you what kind of horrifying mess that might look like uh when I talk to you guys next on uh or when I talk to you guys, it'll be episode five hundred and ninety-two, I believe. Ninety-two or ninety-one. And so we'll talk about it then. I don't know what to expect, but the animation is the reason and the draw for this game. And if nothing else, watch the videos on YouTube because I, I just can't even fathom what kind of monstrosity that's going to look like. Now, there's another massive game, though. I talked about Baltimore at Cleveland. How about the Miami Dolphins at Buffalo? Miami's 3-0. Right now, this is the early battle for the AFC East. This is Miami trying to secure their spot at the top of the AFC East. You got two stud quarterbacks, two at Tungavaloa, who wins with accuracy and anticipation. Then you got another quarterback, Josh Allen, who wins a different style with, he's got an incredible arm. He can make throws no one else can make. He's got brute force. He runs over defenders, but he's maybe got a lower level of anticipation and maybe less accuracy. Um, two great quarterbacks to do it in a different style. I find that really interesting. Uh, both teams are coming off of blowout wins. Remember, Miami just beat Denver, 70 to 20. How could anyone forget that? But on top of that, Buffalo won 37 to 3 over Washington during week three. So I wonder if the football gods are going to curse all of us and say, instead of a high scoring fun battle, it's going to be a defensive game. And it's very possible. I mean, after coming off of a really emotional victory, you score 70 points, you win by um, 34. Either victory, I mean, you're, you're coasting at the end. I wonder if emotionally this high from last week is going to pull them down a little bit during week four, but I am hoping for a high scoring, insanely fun game between two fun offenses, two high scoring offenses, two great quarterbacks. And uh, please don't let me down. Like I, I'm really begging this game, please Miami at Buffalo. I want you to deliver. I want you to be fun and exciting and I'm going to be watching live. And I hope it's a game that comes down to the end and that I have no idea who's going to end uh, no, who, I, I want to not know who's going to win until like the final couple plays of this football game. That would be an absolute home run and a total delivery from this potentially great football game. Now, Denver at Chicago, we'll cover this Monday for sure. Uh, it's a toilet bowl. So it's both teams are 0-3. 
Denver's been awful. They just got beat by 50. Uh, the Bears are equally horrible. Both got blown out last week. I think Denver's a better team and should win here. Um, I think people don't realize, not that stats are everything, but you do realize Russell Wilson has the same numbers as Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback, right? Like their numbers are, when you put them side by side, they're identical. So Denver is not playing horrible. They had two close losses the first two weeks. They looked atrocious week three. In fact, if anything, Denver, after getting embarrassed so badly, emotionally, I would think you got a lot to prove and want to show like, hey, we are not as bad as we looked week three. So I think it's a great opportunity for Denver to win their first game of the year. Um, yeah, I, I expect more from Denver than I do Chicago. Chicago is just, at this point, um, a lost cause. I've got no hope in them. I think their coaching staff's got to get fired. And uh, maybe Chicago can surprise me. But, hey, the toilet bowl, Denver at Chicago is going to be really interesting during week four. The Bengals at Tennessee, both teams are one and two. Um, I think really the pressure's on Cincinnati here. Cincinnati is one and two. They need to win to stay competitive in the AFC. I mean, you cannot start the year one and three. That's like a death sentence. So um, Tennessee is not really going anywhere. They're not a playoff team. I don't think they've got a lot of potential for deep playoff run. I don't know that Cincinnati does either, but definitely if one of these two teams is going to make a playoff run, it is Cincinnati. So the pressure's on Cincinnati here to win and avoid starting one and three. Rams at Colts feels like a really fun game. Competitive, exciting, compelling. Um... I think at one point I said both of these teams could become, of the teams with a bad record this year, these two teams have a shot to be the best of the bad teams, which I don't know exactly what that means, but it means like neither of these teams feel like they're going to make a playoff game, but they're both competitive. They're both exciting. They're compelling. They're fun. And it's likely that Anthony Richardson, the starting quarterback for Indy, is going to be back this week. Had a concussion, didn't play last week. Big question mark for the Rams is their left tackle, Alaric Jackson. When he didn't play last week, Trey Hendrickson took over and dominated in the second half of that Bengals game, and uh, the Rams couldn't move the football without their left tackle. Colts defensive end Samson Ibakam is a high school teammate of mine. He was drafted by the Rams. He went from the Rams to the 49ers. Now he's on the Colts. And uh, if Alaric Jackson, their left tackle, doesn't play for the Rams, Samson Ibakam and uh, Quiddy Pay are going to have a field day going crazy getting after the quarterback. And, uh, oh, man, I don't know. I, I think Rams-Colts. Really fun game this weekend. Uh, Tampa at New Orleans is an early battle for first in the NFC South. Tampa on the road against the Saints, and it's very likely the starting quarterback for the Saints this weekend will be Jameis Winston, former first-round pick of Tampa, former once-viewed-as-franchise quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jameis Winston. He's played his old team before, but still, it's really interesting to watch Jameis against his former team. And... um, I cherish any moment I get to watch Jameis Winston because he is the most goofy, unintentionally funny human in the NFL. And I, I would love to like, I, I'm telling you, I would pitch a TV show with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston and a camera crew going overseas to travel internationally would be like the most hilarious, fun TV show. I think also genuine because Jameis Winston's got a really interesting background. I, like, hey, TV producers, come find me. You don't need, take the idea. I want to watch Jameis Winston on Travel Channel when he retires. That would be hilarious and amazing. Either way, it's a really interesting game between Tampa and the Saints. Uh, two great defenses, two quarterbacks who've got a lot to prove. And uh, it's a shame Derek Carr won't play because I think he won't play. He's got an AC joint injury to his right throwing shoulder, got injured last week in the loss to Green Bay. I don't expect Derek Carr to play, and that's that's unfortunate because I think that if he played, it would be a true 
battle for this division, but uh, I, I find it hard to give the Saints a chance with Jameis Winston. But you never know. He's a wild card, and I hope it's competitive and fun. Washington plays at Philly. Uh, the Eagles are 3-0. and Washington just lost to Buffalo 37-3. I am wondering how Washington bounces back after getting embarrassed last weekend, but I'm also curious if this game is even going to be competitive because Philly is really good. Washington is really suspect. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious how Washington's defensive line matches up against the Eagles' offensive line. Can Washington disrupt the Eagles' offense? Potentially. Um, but I, I really worry about Sam Howell, a young quarterback who had four interceptions last week against Buffalo, against one of the best defenses in football, the Eagles. By the way, on the road at Philly, which is always a tough place to play football. The 0-3 Vikings play the 0-3 Carolina Panthers. Um, I don't have a lot to say here. I just kind of wonder how is Minnesota going to screw this one up because I feel like every game this year, Minnesota's had a great opportunity to win and cannot take advantage of it. I wonder if that's going to continue this week in Week 4. Quarterback for Carolina, Bryce Young is expected to come back and start in this football game. He didn't play last week with an ankle injury. Pittsburgh at Houston's an interesting game for this one reason. Uh, C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback in Houston, looked fantastic during week three. They beat the Jaguars 37-17. It was a surprise win, and C.J. Stroud was awesome. How does C.J. Stroud play against a better Steelers defense? And then, really, there's a lot of pressure on Kenny Pickett, the Steelers quarterback. Kenny Pickett has to look good here. He cannot get outshined by a rookie quarterback in this football game. A lot of pressure on Kenny Pickett, in my opinion. The Raiders play the Chargers in L.A., Uh, I would imagine the crowd will be almost entirely Raiders fans. So it's basically going to be a home game for the Raiders in Los Angeles. Both teams are one and two. Um, Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, has to win this football game. I think that the first two weeks of the year, they were embarrassingly bad on defense. They won week three finally to beat Minnesota in a crazy game. Um, You're a defensive head coach. Your defense has to look good. You got a great opportunity. You're playing against... Jimmy Garoppolo, the Raiders quarterback. You've got an awesome opportunity here to look good against a suspect quarterback. Um, I, I want to see the Chargers win. And if they don't, if the Chargers start one and three with the team they've got together, the offense they've got, the collection of players on defense, that's just a total shame. So the Chargers have to win this weekend, technically at home, but it'll be basically a road game against an insanely fired up Raiders crowd. Patriots play at Dallas. This game could get ugly. Patriots on the road against a really good Dallas Cowboys defense. Uh, they've got an amazing pass rush in Dallas. I am curious if Mac Jones and the Patriots offense can impress me and challenge them, but I, man, I, I have no idea what to expect. I mean, we did see the Cowboys lose to the Cardinals last week, which you could say, hey, that makes Dallas vulnerable. But also, I think that actually works against the Patriots because the Dallas Cowboys are going to be saying and looking to show that, hey, we are not. Um, as bad as a team as we looked week three. So um, I think Dallas wins here at home against the Patriots. Cardinals at 49ers feels like a mismatch. I think the 49ers should win this game easily. Now, uh, I I say that with a caveat because Arizona has looked really competitive all year. Every game they've played in, Arizona's been in it. It's been competitive and interesting. So maybe the Arizona Cardinals can surprise me, but um, the 49ers are a much more talented football team, better and I hesitate to say better coach, but they have been uh, outstanding this year. Best defense in the NFL, in my opinion. Really great offense. Star players everywhere. I would be shocked if the 49ers didn't win this football game on Sunday. 
All right. I got to get, there's a, uh, all right. I, kinda, I guess pick my nose. So I, I did it live on camera. I'm not even going to cut. You, you saw that. We all saw it. I had like a, I have a sinus infection that's not fun. And I've got just this like, I think a zit right on the inside of my nose that is driving me crazy. So sinus infection plus zit in the nose, a lot of nose discomfort uh, for Zach. On Sunday night football, Kansas City plays at the Jets. And uh, the bad news I have for you is we have to watch Zach Wilson play quarterback. That's horrible. The good news is we get to watch Patrick Mahomes play quarterback against a really good Jets defense, which is a fun matchup that's going to be compelling and interesting. Uh, I am worried for Zach Wilson, though. Zach Wilson, I like him. I so badly want to see him do well. Um, but Kansas City's got a really complicated defense. I'm not sure he can handle the multitude of insane stuff they do pre-snap, and I worry that Zach Wilson is going to be um, overwhelmed on Sunday night football. Primetime game against a great football team feels like a, a trap for Zach Wilson where he's going to look really bad in front of a multiple millions of people uh, on Sunday night football. Monday Night Football, we only have one game. Thank the Lord. I'm so glad. I have not enjoyed having multiple Monday Night Games. There's too many things going on. Especially, I'd be fine if they were not happening at the same time, but having multiple Monday Night Football games happening at the exact same time, too much football for me. I don't, I don't like it. I can't track it all. And then you're cutting to split screen. I guess I'd even be okay if it wasn't happening. If it was happening at the same time, but no split screen. So we're not losing half of our viewing angle during like an important moment, I guess, whatever. Either way, I, I just want to say that. Um... Seattle plays on Monday night at the Giants. I actually think it's a really fun game. you got two good coaches, Pete Carroll against Brian Dable. Geno Smith, the quarterback of Seattle, once played in New York both for the Giants and the Jets. Um, two young teams. I think Seattle's a better team, but the Giants are well coached. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's been a rough year for the Giants. They're one and two. They survived and beat um, Arizona. Week two and, and had a huge comeback. Seattle should win this game. They're more talented. They're a better football team. But I think the Giants, they're well coached, and I think they're going to show up at least competitive in this football game. I'm hoping for that. And so I think Seattle at New York this weekend, I guess Monday Night Football, is going to be, I, I guess I'm, I'm just hoping for a really competitive, fun game. But I, I legitimately think it's a, a solid matchup where Seattle's got a slight advantage and is slightly better. In college football, we got a couple interesting games this weekend. Uh, on Friday, number 10 Utah plays at number 19 Oregon State. Utah's 4-0. Oregon State's 3-1. Both teams run the football really well and have really good offensive lines, so it's going to be fun and interesting. Uh, on Saturday, number 8 USC plays on the road at Boulder against Colorado. Uh, despite losing to Oregon pretty badly on Saturday, uh, I still find this game fascinating. Anything... Deion Sanders in Colorado uh, does is interesting to me. And so I wonder if Colorado can uh, make it competitive. I mean, one thing I'll say about Oregon is that their defense is great. And unlike Oregon, USC's defense has a lot of problems and regularly allows bad teams to hang with them. And I wonder if we could see Colorado hang around and maybe challenge USC because of USC's weakness on their defense. Uh, number 24, Kansas plays at number three, Texas on Saturday. That's a fun game. Two really good quarterbacks, Jalen Daniels and my personal favorite quarterback to watch in all of college football, Quinn Ewers, who I've said before, I could watch the guy in like a pro day setting in shorts, just throwing for hours. I love, love, love his mechanics and how, he's, how he plays. Um, a game worth noting that I, as I think about it more, it's less 
exciting. But number th- uh, 13, LSU plays on the road at Ole Miss. That's a fun SEC game between two top 25 opponents. Uh, I love the SEC. I love their passion. But uh, I hesitate to pay attention because Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart was really underwhelming against Alabama last weekend. I thought Ole Miss had a lot of opportunities to maybe win, and they just couldn't execute. So I, I'm really not that interested in Ole Miss. But uh, regardless, it's a huge matchup in the SEC worth at least acknowledging. And then uh, I forget the name of the guy who wrote in on Patreon. There's someone who is a big Duke fan. He's like, hey, maybe my team can be in the top 10 at some point this year. Duke is number 17. They are hosting number 11 Notre Dame. And uh, hey, we'll see. Maybe Duke can challenge a really good Notre Dame team. I do not have high hopes, but um, hey, in this this one Patreon supporter's quest for Duke, his favorite team to be a top 10 team, it's a game where they got to at least play well if that's going to happen, if not win. So uh, I will pay attention to what happens simply for unnamed Patreon fan. I forget your name. I'm so sorry. But I remember your write-in vividly. I've got one more write-in to end the show today. Remember, you can go to patreon.com slash Zach Shomler to write into Strong Opinion Sports. Um, my neighbors are going to write in and say, shut up. <laughs> They're going to go to my Patreon, pay the dollar just to roast me. That would be hilarious. Uh, Jake writes in. Jake says... See, that, dude, the zit in my nose. I'm going to try to pop this after the show. You ever get a zit in your nose? It is the worst, most uncomfortable feeling in the world. Um, Jake writes in and says, thanks for talking about your ADHD yesterday. I am 21 and just got diagnosed like two weeks ago, and it has been a blessing and a curse. It's great to finally know for sure why I have always struggled, but it also terrifies me now that I know it's a permanent thing I can't get rid of. It was great hearing you talk about it so nonchalantly, and it made me feel more comfortable with myself. Thanks, homie. Uh, Jake, remember, I haven't been actually diagnosed. It's my theory. Uh, I feel pretty strongly that it's true. I just don't have the, the, the finances to go to a doctor and figure that out. Um, but yeah, I, I think you, you shouldn't feel uh, bad at all. I mean, you, you now have the skill set uh, and the, the awareness and the tools to allow you to deal with ADHD better. And um, I don't think ADHD is a, a, like a death sentence or... Um, a bad thing at all. I mean, I think you'll be totally fine. So I, I just wanted to say, I wanted to read this on the show because you wrote in, Jake, I think, I think you're, you're awesome. I think you're going to do great. I've got no concerns about you. ADHD is a thing that, um, whether I have it or not, I, I suspect I do. Um, either way, I've got a lot of friends who have it diagnosed for sure. And they're really successful. They're doing great. Their lives are awesome. They've got healthcare. They've got a great job. They've got a college degree. Like, uh, and, and actually their stories, they all tell me to go to a doctor and figure it out because finding out really helped them. They were able to get medicine and tools and even just a better understanding of why you are the way you are. So I just wanted to read that on the show. Uh, Jake, you're awesome. You're going to do great things. And definitely you are not lesser at all because you've got diagnosed with ADHD. In fact, I would even argue in some ways you've got a, you're, you're different for sure, which I think is helpful, but also like the guys I know that have ADHD are really successful and have, um, in some ways, it's been an advantage to them. And, and simply understanding yourself and knowing um, who you are a little better, I think, is never a bad thing. So, Jake, I'm rooting for you. You're awesome. And uh, definitely don't feel discouraged by the, uh, what's the right word, diagnosis of ADHD. I think you're going to be totally fine. And uh, I hope that, uh, I hope nothing but the best for you, man. I just wanted to read your, your write-in and say I love you and say I'm rooting for you and uh, take heart, because I don't think there's any concern, even a little bit. Like ADHD is not a, not a crippling bad thing in my opinion at all. Um, plenty of people are really successful with it, and uh, I'm rooting for you. Anyway, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. 
I will see you tomorrow. The next episode I'm recording tomorrow will be about uh, Fantasy Football Week 3. And uh, I'll give you a little spoiler. I lost! Bad! It was awful. We'll talk about it. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow if you listen to Fantasy Football. If not, see you Friday. We'll talk about... uh, Oh my gosh, I just realized. Somehow, in the weekend preview, we didn't even talk about one of the most exciting, interesting games. So, on Thursday Night Football... Gosh, I am so sorry. (laughs) We didn't talk about this. Um, The Packers play the Lions, and I believe it's in Green Bay. Let's find out. I want to check my phone and double-check that because I want to be right about this. It's not in my notes. See, if I don't put it in my notes, I don't read about it. Um, The game is Detroit on the road at Green Bay, Thursday night football on Prime Video. Hey, if you want to watch, by the way, both teams are 2-1. and They're battling for the AFC North title right or the NFC North lead right now. Um... I can't recommend enough. If you're watching this game live between the Lions and the Packers on Thursday Night Football, watch the alternate thing called Prime Vision. It's the All-22. So it's like a different camera angle where you can see the safeties and the linebackers and the all receivers that are out wide. You can see the entire field, and you can see when people are blitzing. You can see the coverage. They've got different stuff highlighted, different stats. It's an amazing way to watch football. It is by far the best way to watch football on the planet. And if you're watching this game live on Amazon Prime, switch to the alternate broadcast, watch on Prime Vision. Lions at Packers is going to be an amazing game. I can't believe I almost ended the show without talking about it. I apologize sincerely. So when I do my little um, weekend preview, I always try to make the Thursday night game the last thing I talk about because it's also, this episode comes out Thursday morning, so going to be pretty close to the release and I don't want to talk about a game that, you might have already watched by the time you listen to this show. So, man, if you haven't watched this game yet, you're watching it on Amazon Prime, watch the game on Prime Vision. And uh, Jordan Love, Jared Goff, Aiden Hutchinson had two sacks and a forced fumble uh, against Atlanta week three. Aiden Hutchinson is an amazing player. Rashawn Gary is playing great for the, the Packers. I can't wait to watch this football game. It's going to be fantastic. So, uh, yeah, Lions at Packers in Lambeau, huge matchup. The battle for the lead of the NFC North. And uh, I am hoping, Jameer Gibbs, please, Jameer Gibbs, you're on my fantasy team. Can you have a big game? I'd, I'd love to see you have like 100 yards rushing, a touchdown or two, maybe a touchdown receiving. Please, Jameer Gibbs, please have a great game on Thursday night. I'm begging you and the football gods, please. Anyways, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.